The short game is listener-supported on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and join us on our Discord, head to theshortgame.net or patreon.com slash theshortgame. Welcome back to The Short Game, the show about short video games, games that respect your time. I'm Reagan Kelly, and I'm joined this week by all of my very cool co-hosts. Nate Heininger. Laura Nash. And Shane Kelly. And this week we are talking about the latest release from Annapurna, uh, a developer with whom we have uh, a lot of history. Uh, And this week's release from Annapurna is A Memoir Blue by Cloisters Interactive. Uh, This is out on, um, I think, pretty much all of the consoles, PC, and also it's on Game Pass. Yes, this definitely got the Game Pass bump for me. Uh, When you say, this is already on one of your uh, subscription services, and this is less than two hours long, uh, that definitely gets my interest for the Short Game Podcast. This is Short Game Bait right here. Uh, Mm -hmm. A a narrative... um, point-and-clicky sort of adventure that will take you under two hours, even if you're like me and you are absolutely horrible at point-and-click adventures, even when they make it as easy as possible for you like this game does. Uh, Even all that aside, it took me less than two hours to complete this game. And that right there, uh, you know, that's a credit to this game. Key-eared listeners might have noticed that there are four hosts present, the full... And that's uh, because the the game... Is sir enough that we could play it before the podcast, after a full day of work, and still make the show? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the wonderful thing about 90-minute games. So um, the reason that we wanted to do this on the show, apart from the fact that it is just 90 minutes, which, hey, that is probably the number one uh, thing. That is, you know, hey, tell us about a 90-minute game listener, and we'll almost certainly check it out. Um, but it's also in a sort of micro genre that we, as the the short game podcast, have gravitated to a lot over the years. Wet memoirs. We've absolutely, yeah. <laughs> throughout the podcast, loved a wet memoir. Oh, um, just soggy books. We love them. Uh, wet memories all the way down. So uh, this the developer describes this game as an interactive poem, um, which is one way of saying it. Um, but if you've played uh, games, there's actually a lot of games that sort of f- fall into this sort of loose genre of like super narrative driven interactions are sort of varied. You're, there's not really game mechanics so much as just uh, physical or tactile interactions that are part of telling a larger story. And I'm I'm thinking I was reminded a lot of uh, some of the bits of things like Edith Finch or more recently of If Found, which I thought was really good. Um, I don't remember if found what was what was that one we we never covered it Um, oh geez it was on iOS and I played it a couple of a year and a half or so ago now Um, yeah this one really reminded me of Florence Florence yes the thing most most remind in terms of the way it tells its story they're both uh, I I think what I'm noticing is a lot of a lot of developers who um, have a lot of technical ability and and a lot of uh, kind of inclination towards really wanting to use that to to tell a personal story yeah um do this same kind of style that in every one of those examples i mean i haven't played the 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 second one you mentioned right but they're all um just showing character animation at some of its best 
and and when a so if it, 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 it's it's I think it's a cool way to showcase your talents as a team, uh, but it's such a strange storytelling medium to to be getting the kind of traction that it's getting. What was the I one with the bi- what was the one with the bison in the middle of the street? Oh, you're thinking of Virginia. Virginia. Yeah. I could oh, kind of sir, see that. This is no Virginia. Yeah, no. These are very, very different, game. in my opinion. Yeah. Virginia was very rooted in, like, uh, the, like the a like, twin storytelling. Peaks sort of. It's first person and yet very rooted in sort of film editing styles. So that's, like, super tied for me to the, like, um, that uh, 30 Flights of Loving and Virginia are, like, yeah. Part of a, another little separate micro genre. But I give you Virginia because of the surrealism. Right. And this yes. game has, um, this game lives in a place where uh, you will be on a subway underwater and there's fish flying yeah. by or swimming by rather, and you're breathing normally. So this yeah. is a game that has that kind of surreal quality. Um, the plot of it is that, well, it, it's a surreal memory palace type of game. So the plot is very uh, timey. It's, it's timey wimey. <laughs> yeah, it's timey wimey. But it opens and you're winning a, I think, a bronze medal at the Olympics. It's really hard for me to tell medal colors in this game. I think she was winning gold. Um, I, I couldn't tell. The, the, no, the description on the steam, on the on the page says that she's a superstar athlete and. Uh, pff, not well, that got no bronze. I couldn't so tell. I, I definitely think the the. It, the whole experience of the game, it starts off with that image of her. I personally read that as a bronze medal. Uh, I don't know about anybody else. I, All right. You know, uh, but we didn't have her on a podium. It was definitely just focused on her. So we couldn't say that she was at the bottom. She was being certainly interviewed by a lot of people. And you were the paparazzi. And you you can see this kind of terrific character animation in the way she turns away from the flight of the flashbulbs. And so I think the whole game is just trying – uh, I was trying to make sense of this character. I was like, who is this uh, like high-achieving swimmer who is clearly made incredibly uncomfortable by the attention that she's getting, right? So that, that, that had that – had, uh, I didn't feel like I totally got the answer by the end of the game. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, uh, how much time are we going to spend trying to break down what actually happened in this game versus what we think happened versus the experience of playing it? Because all of those are different answers. Well, let me set up the fall down the rabbit hole moment, which is right after the paparazzi shot. It cuts to the girl on the couch. Uh, her bag's open. You look in the bag and the phone rings. She ignores the call. And then the radio starts playing and you, you mess the radio you look out the window, mess with the sun, and then come back and the room is flooded. She's yeah. Water. And then she dives through a hole in the floor and memory palace. And- yeah, you, you follow a series of memories where you as the main character are, are watching an, an even more animated version, presumably of yourself, through mm-hmm. a series of events in your life. And... This game is a, a, a back and forth between just watching very good and very interesting animation and little moments of essentially point and click adventure style stuff um, or, or like point and click puzzle game. Um, really basic, although I expose myself by saying basic when I struggled with it constantly, but, um, you know, really simple uh, puzzle work to sort of unlock the next little cutscene, and you're just moving from 
scene to scene to scene being stalled by little puzzles and little interactive moments. Um, but really the, the highlight of this game of what I think it really wants oh, you to take guys. away from it is that animation and the, the visuals and the magical uh, realism element of this woman remembering uh, having a, a, a Shane would say a wet memoir uh, or a wet memory of, uh, <laughs> I guess her falling in love with swimming and then her, her relationship with her mom and, and where it goes from there. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I'm being quiet because before the, my job for this episode was to find out what the story of it was. Canonically, Actually, I would yeah. love dying to hear to everybody suffer through for a little bit. I'll, I'll, I'll do my best. Um, this is clearly a game about this girl's relationship with her mother. She is an adult now. I get the sense that she hasn't interacted with her mother a lot lately. Um, and she's looking back on her young adult life with her mother um, and looking at it through like a new lens, right? So she's seeing her she she's watching these memories that she has and i i think the fact that they're all illustrated in this very childlike uh 2d animated style is sort of saying like these are my child's memories of what was going on when i was a a kid um and she's seeing uh this sort of uh journey uh away from her father uh but she doesn't know why and she's seeing them like starting a new life in a new town and she's confused. She's looking back on memories of her mother, not being there for her at key times, like at her swim meets and wanting her to be there. And, uh, and, you know, seeing her mother rush off to business meetings or something. She's got a briefcase, yeah, but she's seeing all of <laughs> that through this sort of meetings. like, um, she's remembering it all through like a child's version and she's seeing it and i'm not actually don't really 100 percent understand the contrast because it it, it's not like you you do see her like as an adult looking back on these like childish memories but i don't really get the sort of like like i was expecting there to be some kind of like reveal or unlocking of like oh i see what was going on with my mom but i kind of didn't see it personally but i do sort of see it as this sort of looking back on childhood memories and understanding them in a new way, even though there's like specificity is sort of lacking for me with it. That's, that's was, that was what I was getting from it. Yeah. I, for some reason, I, I at least saw something in like her discovering her love of water and this being what got her into Mm. swimming. And then there was, I, I have this, even if that's not correct, I have the same sort of murky back half that I don't really know what we were supposed to take away from her experiences other than just a visually interesting thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I, I felt like the middle part, I could never quite tell what this game wanted me to, to understand about any of the characters, whether it was the mom, the daughter or the fish. Who, who played, I, I who felt played. kind of similar about this to the way I did about Gris. You remember or Greece? You remember yeah. that yeah. game, which was also sort of like figuratively telling a story. Um, the Seven Sages of Grief, I think. Yeah, that's right. And um, and it was sort of it was it was very figurative. This it, this does have these sort of real world images in it, but it's all about these sort of toy like interactions with them that kind of. Yeah, and and it's always kind of coming back to this image of a child and the child like 
it, it's kind of like rooted, I think, in in like children's play as a as, you know. As, uh, but anyway, it, it it doesn't have this sort of specific stuff in it that like tells you a story in a really explicit way. It kind of feels like a scattered, yeah, uh, si- a bunch of of vague childhood memories that kind of add up to the sense of a story, but not exact beat for beat story, which I guess is, is an interesting way to approach things They you say it's a poem. Maybe that's, you know, that's part of their storytelling style here. And I don't know when I think back on my own childhood, I'm sure there's, there's huge vast gaps where there's no concrete, uh, events and more just images and feelings and memories of play. So maybe that's exactly what they were going for here. But I did kind of leave the end of the game feeling like I wanted a little bit more of a, I wanted to understand the story a little bit. I think at least I, yeah, I agree. I think at least a part of my problem with it is that I do think a lot of the context or, or at least some of the stories told through these puzzle scenes where you're interacting with objects and, and doing something to those objects. And I was so constantly unsure of what button I was supposed to press and why I'm supposed to, to do that thing that I could never take a time to absorb from like a storytelling standpoint, why I was doing those things. I was just Mm -hmm. so unsure of what I was supposed to do that when it, when I would finally lock on whatever thing I'm supposed to fidget with or, or click or drag or whatever, I'd be like, okay, finally I got it. And then it's gone. And I could never really reflect on like why I was doing those things or what it meant. Like there's an entire scene with uh, that, that tape deck player that the, the radio mm-hmm. that we were talking about, and you're doing a lot of sort of fidgety, switching between um, bands on the radio and it's showing little images. And then you'd have to click a button on the radio, I guess to like lock it in. I could, I, I was able to hit the buttons in the right series to move it forward, but I never knew why or what I was supposed to be doing in order to do those, like why I was doing those Mm -hmm. things that I never really absorbed. Like the, the, the tape deck is like showing new images to you and there's like a boat and and like a sun or something and I'm, but i was too concerned with what do, where what do i hit next why am i interacting with these that i didn't really feel like i had time to absorb that and then it would be gone and i'm on to my next series of little fidgety puzzles that i don't know why i'm doing these things and that was sort of the game for me going back and forth between really cool and sometimes very moving uh imagery uh, with like fidgety puzzles that I lost sort of the the forest for the trees, if you will. And those images in that sequence is the order of the game. Those are actually the chapter markers of the game. I believe. Great. That's cool, so, I guess. Like the subway car, the boat, the billboard is like this. The song is supposed to be con- dredging up the memories quickly and then she delves into them deeply. I also didn't get that until after I finished playing mm. the game. Can I but- give my like anti-corporate critique? Of this game? <laughs> okay. So the, um, the style of this game is really um, it, the, what I was initially really drawn to was the combination of different animation styles into one thing, which I have loved uh, since as a child, I watched Mary Poppins uh, dance with a penguin, right? So uh, that that is a vibe that you actually get from this game because you have the interplay of the 
uh, 2D and 3D animation. And when it's doing that, it's doing that in a really cool way. Um, but both of the different like key animation styles are, uh, to me, as I got a little deeper into it, reading as total dystopia. Uh, because there's this art style that kind of uh, listener you're not you're not hearing the strange uh puzzled faces that half of the podcast yeah. is making it shane as he as he takes us into his interpretation of this as dystopia please continue no, i'm shane. actually so do you know what shane. corporate memphis is yes okay but, Laura, please, but explain please, it for the okay. explain it for me so corporate memphis is an art style of uh flat kind of geometric people that you started to see um, all over the place in corporate communication over the course of the last 10 years. It's like that really flat 2D, oh, like boxy, I know exactly like, what you're cool talking about. People who may or may not be multicultural. Oh, yes. Kind yeah. of are wavy. Yeah, it's also called Allegria, I yes. think. It's yes, a, I do know what you're talking about. It's a visual style that big tech in particular seems to really like. It yeah. took the cool Memphis design and made it corporate and put it in millennial pink. Like, yeah, 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 absolutely. absolutely. Uh, Allegria is like face, Facebook's version of this that they yeah. rolled out in like 2017. Apparently, I just Googled it real quick. Um, so this is the art style. And I have always thought of this art style as a little bit dystopian because it is the uh, it's the turning of like uh, it's like the the merging of like the communication level of like a guy on a bathroom sign with the treacle of like a Hallmark card. Like it's it I doesn't it doesn't always work for me. And this game I always I always just sort of I've I've seen this art style everywhere and I've always just sort of thought of it as like flat tiny head people. Because they <laughs> yeah. always have tiny heads. I don't know These why ones the, actually the heads have are reasonable so sized heads. I'm I will so this has a second thing that uh, artistic element going on which I, there's got to be a better name for it, but I've always thought of it as Tumblr nose, which is where <laughs> oh. you have the characters with whose face is like defined by a bright red, large, like sometimes perfectly triangular nose um, or sometimes like red, ruddy cheeks. So this is kind of a similar, similar thing going on there. I that that I'm fine with. Actually, I like that style. But the but the the more corporate art style. To me, a little dystopian for reasons that I think are obvious. I want to know, like, are you referring to the 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 like two D illustrated mom and daughter as yeah. this? I am so surprised that you say that because I don't see those these as being particularly similar at all. I thought that the this the art style for the mom and daughter was actually like a really solid uh, attempt at like a you know a, 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 okay. Like, well, both, but maybe it's the combination I mean, because. The, the, the version of Pixar mom bond. She but. does. Yeah. 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 She's got, she's got thick thighs. Well, that not lives. quite, <laughs> but the butt could be, it could have been bigger if we're talking about a Pixar mom, but uh, the, the, the art style for the uh, 3d stuff is like explicitly dystopian because you're constantly exploring these environments where it's like, Oh, an old TV store with uh literal mold, growing on every surface or a flooded subway very wet or yeah it's very wet you know a lot of a lot of algae well, a and lot mold. of a lot of blue a lot of deep yeah. blues so memoir like, blue to me you you put both of those things together which are both already kind of reading to me as um like 
ominous, but like unintentionally, like unselfconsciously ominous. Um, and then you use that to tell this story that that is just it feels like there's op- absolutely more going on than the story actually wants to tell me. Like that is that is the vibe I was getting, and that is why this had moments where I was like, "What? What is this? Why is it giving me the the ick?" That's really weird to me. Like I uh, look, I kind of see where you're coming from, uh, particularly about the like. There's there's a certain like you know seeing a, an underwater train car where you get a little bit of like uh this is this is you know something's wrong here obviously but I think that's part of the intent nothing seemed like corporate junk or corporate evil well, to me about she, this at all you're uh, you're telling me she didn't look like a Sims character the uh, sure 3D she version. looks a little the 3D character looks a little Simsy or a little like but she's it's fine so does everybody and. In- like it's a video game she looked like she looked like a middle budget 3d animated character um where they you know mostly had basic decent animations for her and occasionally put a little love into her face and that was that was about it i kept thinking of life is strange she felt like a character straight out of life is strange playing the kind of games we play i cannot be allergic to mediocre character animation (laughs) or we would be cutting out half of the stuff that we play i i you know i i'm I am a hundred percent fine we do not uh, engaging emotionally, wars. right? With uh, with a character true. who true, has true. like uh you know like slightly off uh like character animations or something. It's fine. That said, I will say I had perhaps the opposite effect of Shane is I found the two D characters much more expressive, yeah, yes. than the three D, especially. Same. Totally so agree. Two D characters are used for the memory of the mother and the child version of the main character, and they are just um, so full of life. They're just very fluid, very animated. Uh, and like, yeah, the- which I'm almost offended. Shane was comparing those to like Facebook guy two D <laughs> shape wise. Sure, the the, the art style is different, but like shape wise, they do have the kind of blobby. Yeah, I, I can. Get by the way, if you if you are interested in that style of of art being subverted, going under is a game that all of the art is attempting subversions of, of that of yeah. the corporate Memphis style, and it's really funny. It does it very intentionally. It's it's a game about uh, corporate tech culture where everything looks like that by design. This is not doing that, in my opinion. And in fact, I would compare the art style for the mother and daughter animation as a little more uh, in line with like film animation for things like uh, what's that studio that does that did like Secret of cartoon, the Kells or whatever. It's Cartoon Saloon. Um, yeah, I think. Um, I think it's beautifully done. Um, yeah. And, like it's got these very expressive but like minimalistic things like the big round red cheeks on the daughter and some of the other yeah you know, I, I did like, dislike when they did shadow puppets because they they got they were very scary to me uh, <laughs> the shadow puppet versions because the eyes come out and looked <laughs> evil and then I had to be like no this is supposed to be charming yeah the 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 two uh, D animation and the the expression of the 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 daughter and the mom is really where this game actually did work for me. And I, and I started to realize like I might've been a little uh, biased or impacted in this moment. Cause I have two daughters right around the age of the girl in this. So mm-hmm. I can be like, Oh, she's sad. Someone help her, you know? Uh, and I don't, you know, I don't want to gatekeep any sort of emotion for a child here, but like for me personally, I was thinking like, this is where this game was 
actually effective for me. And I thought mm-hmm. that really worked. And I thought it was an interesting, uh, interesting balance, you know, 2d on top of 3d is not anything new, but I, I thought that that was what stood out to me in this game and, and where I really enjoyed it when I could clearly tell why something was happening and, and, um, you know, the, the way that people were reacting to it, I enjoyed it. It was when we got into these truly abstract moments or these fidgety puzzle things is where it kind of fell apart for me and became mm-hmm. less fun or less engaging. But, uh, you know, I, I think this game in, in some ways is worth playing, even though we're not really necessarily talking about. Oh, I would, you know. I would argue that this is 100 percent worth playing. Yeah, like, I, I know that I've had some reservations about it just because we're discussing it as a piece of art. Yeah. And it's worth critiquing. Um, But I think that this is absolutely worth playing. I think it's a really well done thing. I, I do think it's probably time for us to move on to talking about the story a little bit more. Laura was uh, was getting ready to talk about her more authoritatively and well-researched based on developer interviews take on the the story. But before we... I am, but before that, I do have one take on the interactivity. Oh, sure. Beforehand. Um, for me... I have a question about it. Florence is my gold standard because the interaction is what gives the cutscenes meaning. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like there's a, a puzzle in there about having conversations with somebody you're in a relationship with. And at the beginning, you like it's a puzzle piece. You, there's multiple puzzle pieces. And it's very difficult. But yes. the more you talk to them, you get fewer puzzle pieces. And then you're just putting whole blocks down. So they're using the mechanic to simulate the feeling of clicking with somebody, right. literally. So I, I that is a ridiculously high standard. But that's what I hold games to. Sometimes this game had puzzles that were like, oh, before I can open the door to presumably hidden memories, I need to cut away some vines. Like, sure, like I need to untangle some stuff. Like, I see that metaphor. Other times I did not see meaning behind the actions I was taking Mm -hmm. and I was just doing something and it was very toy-like. So I think I... I want the meaningful ones to be like at least 50% of the game. Like yeah. that's my, and it didn't quite get to that ratio. I would argue, and maybe I missed a lot, uh, which is absolutely very, very possible. I have a history on this show of missing the the broader meaning of a lot of things, but like I'd argue 90% of the puzzles in here were just a representation of some sort of physical thing that you do in the real world that she was remembering mm-hmm like stamping her uh, uh, ticket to get on the boat or whatever. And then you have to stamp the ticket to get on the boat. But there was no, like, the puzzle was not representing any broader emotion or deeper memory. It was just like, literally, they're making you do a physical thing that she's remembering being a part of it. And right. I, you know, that, that was not very satisfying to me. Like, unlike what you're talking about with Florence, where the puzzle's, like the challenge of the puzzle was a representative of also the feelings of the characters in that moment. And again, yeah, as you said, that's a very, very high bar. Uh, but like this game is all about sentimentality and the emotional uh, elements of memory and, and growing up and whatnot. And it just felt really strange having to like, all right, where do I put this little card? Why? Uh, all right, so, <laughs> yeah. How do I get the boat to go? What do I, I gotta like, How do I uh, get- yeah, what? I just uh, have to push this stamp thing down, right? Yeah. Push it down. Push oh, it shit. Down. I didn't realize you could push it 
down. Oh, I spent oh, I 15 minutes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it was like. Sometimes, sometimes you push a button and a thing happens. Other times you have to hold the button down and use the analog stick <laughs> yeah. to make the thing happen. There's happens. a green like, button that I have. To, oh, I have to hit the green button. And then the thing drops out. You know. Can I, can I explore this a little bit? Because we've, a lot of us are all discussing this as the like core of the gameplay that we're discussing. Um, but we're all using all these different terms. Like Nate was calling them puzzles. Um, like I think everyone was using other terms like toy like or, you know, it's a interaction or it's a uh, like, but, you know, so these sit at this. And this is true of all these games that we're discussing is similar. Like these interactions sit somewhere in between like a toy and a puzzle and a mini game. And and like uh, like maybe just a mechanic and like like what are these and like why are they why is just like a, a, a random assortment of them something you were seeing so much in this particular kind of game? Like I think about Edith Finch, uh, I think back about that a lot. Yeah, Edith Finch has a lot of the same uh, thing where it's it's a collect it, it's telling stories and each story has its own unique set of scenes or moments. And those moments have to have something that you're doing. And then that thing that you're doing mm-hmm. is changing a lot. You know, it's changing constantly as you're playing through. Um, I, I shy away from puzzles or mini games or anything and just sort of think of, I, I think I've just been calling these like interactions or whatever. And that's the best I can come up with for this kind of thing. Um, why are they here? It is literally just because if you're, you know, um, if there's nothing, then it's a movie and that's not wrong. You could make a movie. Um, and this probably would have been okay as a movie. Um, but at its best, what these games are shooting for is involving you in the story. Like Laura was describing earlier, like Nate was describing, involving you in the story by having you take part in it in a small way. Um, and ideally, hopefully that, that way in which you're taking part in it is, uh, is doing it in a way that's going to align you with the emotion that the scene is trying to convey. So if it's a frustrating scene, having you do something frustrating, if it's a scene about remembering joy or remembering a childlike moment of play involving you in an interaction that, that evokes childlike play, that kind of thing. Um, and, uh, and then hopefully also just sort of giving you that sort of moment of surprise or tactile delight. You know, there's always that sort of, sometimes you just do a thing in a game and it's like, ha, huh, wow, that's cool. And that's what this is trying to sometimes do as well is just give you moments of small moments of delight as you discover the way that the thing is interactive. Um, and I guess that's it. So like, what is it for? It's just it's just for making sure it's not a movie and doing it in the most <laughs> delightful way possible. Uh, yeah, I think they lean too heavily on we need them to do something. Uh, they they spent too much time thinking if they could, Reagan. They didn't think long enough whether they should. No, the really <laughs> the real <laughs> the real should they was the uh, Xbox achievements. Oh, uh, so that, that needs to change. There need so you, as a developer, you need to be able to say. Okay, we have, and maybe you can, and just no one is doing it. But uh, the amount of emotional moments that games are trying, and then it's like, Kuduk, swim hard to, you know, and you're like, oh, okay, get the fuck away from me. Uh, like, it under the, the few emotional elements in this game I really connected with were almost always undercut by the stupid little Xbox. You'll be playing a game where, like, your child has just died, and then you can, like, 
and you get an achievement called something like there's always yeah. another and it's like yeah. <laughs> you like if you cry to the left you knock over an umbrella and it says something like umbrella time <laughs> oh, yeah it's really bad yeah it's, i got one no in this game where like game, i just but... clicked on a fan and the oh and, i did I mean, that like, too i did in the middle of, of a scene that like i was trying to figure out what to do i clicked on a fan it was like congratulations you turned on the fan or something like that we're a fan <laughs> achievement we're, I got that we're a too, fan of you like, yeah it's called uh, fan service yeah. fan service oh good <sighs> lord it's, it's it makes bad. me so angry it's, i hate you it's really bad <laughs> Oh, it's so bad. I, I would be fine with these if if the developers had it away, and I, I don't know if this is, exists, and this is probably what you're talking about, Nate, is like turning off the yeah. notification. The notification, yeah. Like, tell me after I finished the game, maybe. Or like, yeah. defer the, the notifications the to the yeah to the end of the level. Do a check something. at the end of the level. Achievements are fun. I really should fun. just turn all achievements off. Who cares? Why yeah. do I never turn to that off? Well, it's not. Is there, I don't like, even know if there's a way to turn down. it off. If you sure want to look is. at your whole list in the middle of the game you're playing, you're like, I've never uh, once wanted to do this, this. That's not what this game wants you to do. I can't, yeah, I can't believe there must be some, maybe there's some like agreement with Game Pass even, you know, where you have to have achievements because of all the gamer score I, I think, bullshit. I think it is a requirement on consoles. Like yeah. they, they make that, like, I, I know for a fact that on PlayStation they're required to and they have some kind of thing they have to do yeah. with, Minimum the, X. Uh, with the platform holder where they have to, decide how difficult the uh, achievements are so that they can decide whether they're like platinum or not. Right. Yeah. I, I don't know. But it's, like, I, I know it's a thing they have to do. Yeah. Um, they're, just, they're fun know. in certain games. You know, I, I've been talking about it for more than almost a year now. Cause it's taken me forever, but like on a game like horizon zero dawn, which has a very emotional sto- main story, achievements are fun in that game though. Cause sometimes you're pulling off rare stuff that you didn't even know was rare. And it's like, you know, and you're like, oh, cool. I did something that not a lot of people have done in a game that is purely about narrative. It never helps. All it does is undercut a a, a moment. Uh, yeah. You're absolutely right. Yeah. <laughs> so I am I am dying to know what it was that Laura learned yeah. from her. And Plea. Yeah, I went and read a couple of developer interviews, but I did not. I don't think I did read the same one you did, Laura. So Should we that. give a statement, though? Like, this is technically spoilers, but I think. Like, if you're I this think far it will in the, make episode, the game better, yeah, I, okay, I agree. If you don't want to know anything about it, yeah, it's don't not a listen. spoiler if it improves things. But I think <laughs> it would have improved my enjoyment of the game to know this before I played. Uh, and that is, uh, this game is autobiographical. Okay. In that, uh, the developer, uh, the designer, the art director, um, she wanted to make a story about a day trip she remembered when she was a kid she wanted to make as her thesis project and so she called her mom and was like hi can you give me some details about this day trip we took and her mom was like uh that wasn't a day trip that was us escaping from your father Mm -hmm. who was abusive and that was us running away and I took you to things along the way like but like that wasn't a day trip. That was an escape. Mm-hmm. And she was so shocked that she and her mother remembered this day differently. And that, like, as an adult, she was going back through all of the memories she had for the day and reevaluating, like, what did I see? Oh, my God, that was this. Like, what? Like, reinterpreting the day and all the things that happened on it through this new lens that she, like, rethought the day, like, the game she was going to build. So 
This mm. game is about an adult. Rem- um, the radio is playing a song that she hears during that like runaway, and so she's it's she hears the song and it takes her back, and she like re- reinterprets this day trip as like, oh wait, this was my mom going through a painful situation, and then like. Now, with that context, she enters that, like, vault section and is like, oh, and now that I know, like, this is my mom had to work because of the single mom stuff. And, like, now I have empathy towards my mom and I can reinterpret my adult life with my mother now that I know this memory. <clears throat> so the whole game completely changed. Well, I, like, that, I, mean, I that's think a- I, like, got 80% of that. Yeah. I was, like, most of the way there. Uh, I, think- I, I think I think what I, what I didn't really gather from it was the like reinterpretation stuff like i do get now that you mentioned there's that um there's that moment at the end where she sort of opens the vault and inside she has the scene with her mother but you get the like to me i was like oh it's a divorce like you get like dad is bad mom alone mom is working yeah yeah you pick up on that that. that's like you get sort of vague image of the dad looking like he's threatening or let's not jump to any conclusions (laughs) about who got got what and who interpreted what i'm saying for the listener let's not but but to me i think the thing was like the 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 looking back on the child version of you is like, you're finally like the, the 2d animation is like mostly showing like it's showing different views of the same memory, like yeah. the 3d space around the memory of what you remember. And then like what actually, I mean, that's a really compelling, that's, that's a really compelling point of view and a really very com- unclear to me in the game, but yeah. And it's a really compelling story to tell. Um, you know, I, I, I personally, did not get any of the, especially the, the uh, reinterpretation through that lens. I did think it was something to do about like re-understanding your relationship with your mom. Now as an adult, understanding the decisions that your, your mom made, like you could tell there was some sort of falling out and she was willing to forgive her or something like that. Um, But I, I never thought it was a, reinterpretation of the entire context of why the mom was doing the things that she was doing to me. It was just more seemed like just standard childhood stuff, you know? Uh, so that, that's really compelling. I, I do, I, I guess that is helpful to, to know out of the gates. It, it increases the uh, sentimentality of, of the game for me and, and clears it up a lot. I wish that, you know, I didn't have to learn about it way after. I don't know how they could have done it better in the game without straight up, straight up telling you. Um, there's no text. Anywhere. There's no text or right. anything. And and again, there's so much time spent on finicky stuff that like I'm not. I, I didn't feel as 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 able to spend time thinking about like why am I doing any of this. And they also talked about like a couple of the puzzle designs, like when you're in the subway car and you're there's a moment where you're peeling away posters yeah. yeah, and you occasionally reveal pictures and it's supposed to be like peeling away the layers of like what you thought your, yeah, your, your family is pretending to be versus what it is. And that's a like, really cool idea, but in retrospect, it yeah, makes more sense. Yeah. If you tell me that's what you're doing, Oh, they're peeling away the, the facade of their own memory. Okay. That's cool. I like that. But I mean, it's one of like, yeah, it's like one of 40 little things that you're doing that I can't um, like that right there is a good one. But I can't imagine all of these little things that you were doing had that degree of 
of depth to them or if they did like i mean i don't i i feel like you'd miss i i I missed all of it you know i'm pretty sure i got about 80 percent of that um out of it and i don't i don't know exactly what they could have done to like hammer it home a little more i feel like the 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 key thing they were trying to convey here was this idea of like reevaluating a memory which i think is something we've all done you know like you always have this idea of like looking back on your childhood and reevaluating your you know like the uh things that you thought of one way when you were a child and now think of a different way yeah and if they're going all like um telling things impressionistically or sort of via like you know, uh, heightened or, or, uh, metaphorical imagery. Like I feel like they could have played more with that, you know, have, yeah. have you have things transform, you know, have interactions that would transform something into something else to, to I mean, like, I don't know if they took the day trip to an aquarium or if she just really likes fish. I'm assuming like part of that day trip was an aquarium because the fish are everywhere, but yeah, I, I think don't. So yeah. And it's then there was logic. clearly like a boat ride involved and they went to a little Island. Yeah. I don't know. What's missing to me is a disconnect between the 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 two versions of the memory because mm-hmm. you have these two visual styles but it really kind of reads as just like now and then you know like the uh, and it doesn't really yeah. read as a disconnect between what she now thinks and what really happened or uh like the mother's perspective and the child's perspective um so when we do go back through it, it doesn't like there are there are long moments where, you know, you're uncovering something. Right. And it's like, oh, well, we're going deep into the water and now we're going to look and, and what you what's really revealed, you know, seems just like the next moment in the story. You know, there's yeah. uh, the little girl sees fish run away from her. So in the next scene, uh, she is crying and her mother hugs her. You know, it, it's like I don't feel there's a disconnect even when we're going back and forth between um, 3D animated adult version of the of the young lady and and the uh, um, child version, like it just feels like we are remembering. You're just not- watching it right along yeah. her. Yeah, you're not sitting there like she's not like, oh, maybe I did remember that incorrectly. You know, she's just like watching it just like you are, and for the most part, your attention is on the the really really nice 2D animation. So I don't, you know, maybe the character was, you know, there was moments of re- revelation on her face that I didn't catch. But for the most part, that's why for a lot of this, I thought this was more just a, like it was a way simpler story, less about like her, her dad or whatever. And it was more just her discovering a love of swimming and then having a falling out with her mom and then reconnecting with her mom over some sort of victory or something like that. Like I, I just, it all, the, your, the 3D person just seems to just be watching and not engaging yeah. or or being a part of it. So, yeah, maybe... They're not I, reacting emotionally to Yeah, whatever. there's no reaction. I, I think, yeah, maybe reducing maybe some of the... Yeah, reducing some of the finicky puzzle stuff or, or interactions, whatever, toy, toy shop stuff that you want to call it, and give me a little bit more context or a little bit more reaction from the, from the main... Uh, maybe the dissonance part of the game is what yeah. I mean. Yeah, like, I, I, I definitely... Yeah, there's also oh, the whole important character here. They're fleeing the father, who's pictured, I think, for once, like yeah. a, a a third of a second. Yeah. So, 
you know, it's it's hard to really typical see. Shane. Why don't we hear from the father? <laughs> I don't. It, it, that is not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that if this is I'm about her you. perspective of that time, like we don't see that inciting element of it at all. Well, there's no seemingly inciting element or or, or climactic element. Like I, I I at least never saw why they were, any of this was happening and what. What changed to make her run and hug her mom? Like, I think if you were going to show like, uh, like a you know child's view versus adult's view of a moment, like there's nothing better than to to zero in on like what were they fleeing? Like, what was the mother you know shielding her from? That sort of thing. Yeah, that, that's the sort of maybe thing that might have might have brought more of a maybe focus on this. Although, you know, I understand that she's wanting to focus on this journey that they took together, but which um, that's a cool story. That's a very not yeah. lovely is not the right word for it. But, um, you know, I, I do think that's, that's a, a really compelling thing for a memoir. The stakes of the story. Yeah. This, this separation between what you as a child view as a wonderful day is probably like one of the worst days of that mom of the mom's life. Right. And and that's a really interesting uh, split, um, and and maybe they should just put it on the box, you know. Yeah, like. it's it's it feels when I was playing it, it was more of a tonal watch, and I wonder if I had known up. The reason I'm saying like this is not a spoiler is I think if I had known up front, yeah. I would be looking for tonal disconnects, and I'd be looking for mismatches, yeah. and I would notice more because it's not super. It doesn't scream this, out at you. It just goes back to the animation style for me of the mother <laughs> and daughter because although the animation is lovely and the characters move beautifully, um, they're, they're not expressing the pain or the struggle. But, but the daughter wouldn't be. Story. Right? That's right. the point. Yeah. So the mom but would But where be. do we get that? Yeah. Know? Yeah. Where, where do yeah. we get that? I was reading it as like, mom is sad about a divorce and the kid is – happy but it, on a boat. but if it's the daughter's memories then if she only remembers it as a wonderful day she probably wouldn't be remembering the mom being upset right that's why we need that like new lens on it that like to to see that this is actually rough for her if we're seeing it from a children's point a children's <laughs> a children's point of view um we like it, it makes sense to me that she doesn't remember her mom being upset because why would you if it's a, a, a day trip or, or whatever? Mm-hmm. Woo. Well, before we move <laughs> off of all of this, I have one last thing I wanted to talk about, which is I also don't want to be a huge downer here, but I also wanted to take a second and talk about this. So this is another release from Annapurna. Yeah. And this has been a weird year for Annapurna. And I, I, I feel like I have reevaluated them as a developer or excuse me, as, as, a, a, as a publisher. Um, yeah. Like they they were one of our favorite, you know, everything they release, we are going to cover on this show uh, publishers. Like we're talking about since 2017 when they released things like um, Edith Finch and Flower and Gorogoa. Man, Gorogoa was amazing. Gorgo and Florence, was I forgot. Well, that was 2018. Uh, you know, Donut County, Gone Home, 2019, Outer Wilds. They did the re-release of Journey, Telling Lies, Sayonara, Wild Hearts. Uh, and then 2020 also Solar Ash Killer, uh, Kentucky Route Zero. If found, they did the re-release of Unfinished Swan, which I was glad to see. Uh, but then and, then, and then things started kind of turning for the weird, right? I am dead, which we covered, and I thought was okay, but just it's okay. No fun to find your keys. Yeah, um, I don't remember 
the pathless was pretty darn good, I thought. Yeah, You're right. They the also pathless. did 12 minutes. I Okay, yeah. So 2021 yeah. was, I think, where the wheels fell off of Annapurna. Like, Maquette, which I didn't personally play, but I, I didn't think sounded like it was for me. It sounded like it was uh, bolting, like it had a clever, um, you know, uh, like mechanic or, or sort of puzzle idea, but that they had um, bolted on some really awkward story and uh, and voice content, too which we then talked about a lot again when the same thing was done with 12 minutes, but even worse, that game was laughably bad. We had a fun time talking about it, but I think it was a really bad game. Um, Last stop I played a good chunk of and thought was terrible to the point where I didn't, we didn't cover it on this podcast. I thought last stop was just awful. I totally bounced off of the artful escape. Me too. I was like, nope, not. Gonna. I haven't played that, but it, I heard from both of you guys. It really sounded like it wasn't for us. No, or at least. And, and then here we are at Memoir uh, Memoir Blue, which um, feels more uh, like to me some like it, it's more I am dead than uh, if found, you know, for me or then, you know, gone. Well, gone home is such a high watermark. It's hard to. And also they did the re-release that. But so that hardly counts. But anyway, like it's it. it, it 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 just feels like they've kind of like they're they're pursuing a vibe rather than just ruthlessly pursuing good ideas they're like trying to recapture something i'm I, i'm i'm projecting here maybe i don't know i think but. they're landing it on the vi- they're continuing to have games that have d- very appealing vibes to me and good ideas but the thing that's missing for me is the writing you know yeah. this mm. game has essentially no writing and uh like Solar Ash was a lot of fun. It was the writing was was very minimal. The Artful Escape had a lot of writing, and that was where and the twelve minutes, and those were where it really things really started to to fall down for me. So a lot of these games are living and dying based on how well they tell a story, and they're mm-hmm. doing it often really well in in visuals and in. Uh, like the the artistic design and the interaction. Uh, they have not released one ugly looking game. No, yeah, they're always spectacular looking. But I'm starting well, to be like polished. They're no longer an automatic thing for me. Like they're yeah. in this case, they're automatic for us because it is 90 minutes long and it was on Game Pass and that was <laughs> you know the stars aligned perfectly. But like, and Annapurna was on the you know on the on the sheet. But like. Yeah. Annapurna is no longer a guaranteed play for me anymore. I'm still looking forward to a lot of the stuff they have left to release this year. And some of it seems a little off of their beaten path. Their next big game on their release schedule is neon white, which is a really strange first person shooter parkour card thing. Um, that looks incredible. Um, I actually don't know what hindsight is. It's on the list here. Stray is that game about being a cat. That's better. Uh, kick it around forever. Looks- been kicking around forever and on premise alone though i mean that's that's yeah. a classic mm-hmm. uh, and then they're going to be publishing open roads from fulbright later this year which i'm still cautiously optimistic about despite the um uh just upsetting uh sort of worker uh news out of fulbright over the last little while i mean i i'm still probably going to play the game and i'm i'm still looking forward to it um I am going to continue to be really tempted by Annapurna's games. I am. Yeah. I feel that I am no longer easily drawn in by their interactive poetry. <laughs> Maybe so, but like I'll probably still keep giving it a go because yeah, I mean we like yeah, well, I mean it, yeah. Several of us tried the Artful Escape because yeah. four years of pretty, pretty much 
perfect execution and now we're hitting a little road bump you know hopefully they can and it's it's hard they are a publisher they're not a developer it's not like we can like they're they're looking for good stuff right i I believe also their their mo is kind of coming in um you know sort of middle of development cycle and providing some funds and and getting people over the finish line and so maybe these are projects not every single project can you know will look great in the middle and then perfectly execute that last half you know maybe maybe this was a project that that uh I got that vibe off of something like 12 minutes where like maybe this was a project that went off the rails after the publisher got involved or something. Who knows? And for this game, I don't think it went off the rails. I think it just needed some. It just coasted to a stop at the end. Well, and once we know based off of what Laura, what Laura explained and you, and you look at some of the visuals of this game, like, of course, this feels like a slam dunk and a perna game. Mm-hmm. It's emotional but an outside eye. Yeah. Like, this isn't strong enough. Yeah. This isn't coming through strong enough would have really helped this game. Yeah. Yeah. And I can't imagine that being an easy thing to do either, you know, coming into a something, a, a project as personal as this. Right. And it's not like, it's not like writing a novel where you can be like, well, do some rewrites on this chapter. And one person goes off and does that. You know, you tell somebody to like rework something in a game dev project like this. And we're talking about adding, a year f- and multiple salaries to, you know, so it's, it's not as simple as, as, uh, as just, Hey, this needs some reworking go off and do it for a while. Um, although I'm sure they do do that, yeah. but like, yeah, I don't know if, if it were possible for this to have gotten some revisions, I think it could have been a stronger story, but you know, uh, that all said, I do still recommend people check this out. Um, maybe more than other, you know, like I would check this out over 12 minutes any day. Uh, although yeah, 12 low minutes was, bar. Uh, maybe more interesting as a, as an absolute disaster of a game. 12 um, minutes was the ultimate bait and switch. I thought I was going to be done with that game in literally 12 minutes. And uh, I just, I mean, as a short game enthusiast, I'm still very disappointed about that. Sure. But <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I would recommend people check this out. It's on Nintendo Switch, it's on all the other consoles, and it's on Game Pass, including uh, PC and the Xbox. So I would definitely recommend checking it out. And especially if you have it, uh, if you have the Game Pass subscription. I think this is one of, you know, we've said this before, this is one of those examples of where a subscription model really makes sense on the consumer end, because I don't think you're going to get wide swaths of the gaming public, uh, you know, paying, uh, you know, an indie game price tag for a 90 minute poem. Um, but if you are on that subscription service, uh, spending an evening with a beautiful interactive poem is a pretty good way to spend those 90 minutes. Uh, you can do this and still have time to play some Elden Ring in the evening. I can tell you because that's what I did. Um, so I would recommend it. This game, this game might be the opposite of Elden Ring, like the very opposite of Elden Ring. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, before we leave it and go. Do we have time for a little bit of what's making us happy this week? I got a really short one. Go for it. I have not talked about this on the podcast, um, but it's giving me great delight. I'm a big fan of a fine backpack. My favorite backpack is the Timbuktu. uh, I think it's called a rocket pack. I need to double check the name of it. I'll, I'll, I'll double check that and put it in the show notes. But it's basically a very generic rucksack with a laptop pouch and a nice roll top. And I wanted a second one so that I could have one for work and one for my junk. And I went on, I kept, I kept my eBay search going and, uh, they were still expensive. I just wanted to find a cheap one used. I found a brand new one for really cheap and it, the price was really low because it was a crew cast and crew giveaway 
for the movie Daddy's Home 2. And it has Daddy's Home 2 <laughs> embroidered all over the back of it. Um, and I love it. I love my Daddy's Home 2 bag. <laughs> I love that for you. I love that for you. It's so good. Daddy's Home 2. Right not not even... You. I put I put on it. Uh, I've decided I'm going to cover it with patches to de-emphasize the DH2 <laughs> embroidery. Uh, so my bag now has uh, Mountain Goats Pagan Crew Daddy's Home too. <laughs> John Darnell would approve. Uh, I very much approve as well. Um, Laura, what's making you happy this week? So I saw two movies recently in theaters that are just the most movie I could have possibly watched. I um cannot think of more movie i could have packed in i watched um every everything everywhere all at once um this is so going bad. to be people's favorite movie um if it's for you you're gonna love it if it's not for you you're gonna bounce off it incredibly hard and i'm sorry for you um i loved it i thought it was glorious uh, people are going to be talking about this, so I'm not going to say too much now. But I also got to see it with the director Q&A afterwards. Ooh, wow. We were in the second row, and there was no one sitting in front of us. So the directors were um, absurdly close. The directors are closer to me than my husband currently is in our studio apartment, um, the Daniels. And they were very charming. Um, and then uh, yesterday, because I worked a bunch of extra hours last week, and I have a government job where you're not supposed to work extra hours. I took hours off yesterday, um, and I saw RRR, which is an Indian action epic, and it is the most gonzo action movie I've ever seen. Like it is, it is just like you know, like the energy when you watch like a really great like Hong Kong action movie where they just go harder than you've ever seen a Western movie go. It was that, but Indian. So there was also like a dance number two dance numbers. There was a bromance in it. Um, I guess skip it if you like, if you don't like violence or you like colonialism, because it's definitely about like, they, it isn't glorious bastard style in that they, um, it's what if these two actual Indian revolutionaries in the twenties who fought against the Raj, what if we just like totally ignored what they actually did? They never met. What if we said we met they became best friends. One was an undercover cop, and they both had superhero powers. One was friends with tigers. It's just absurd. There's a part where one, like in a sequence where someone has their legs hurt, and they put, the one guy puts the other one on his shoulders, and they're running, and he has two guns in his arms, and he leans back, and he kills people behind him. <laughs> and then they crawl up a guard tower, and then... The guy on top holds on. He looks down to the guy below, nods, and then they flip backwards. So the guy on the bottom flips up through the air and takes out the guard on top. It is <laughs> And everyone in the audience nice. is like, yes, kill those Brits. Um, <laughs> That's the wild. Subtlety is overrated. Um, one of the shots towards the end is a blood spatter of a bad guy goes onto a map of the British Empire that says the sun never sets on the British Empire. And I was just like, yes, art. <laughs> Who needs subtlety? I don't. It'll show up on Netflix soon. So it's three hours and eight minutes, which is somehow only 10 minutes longer than the Batman. And I guarantee you, you're going to have more fun in this one. <laughs> After this week's game, I could use a little unsubtle art. Oh, oh it's, yeah. It's, it's absolute oh, yeah. just madness. It's great. That sounds Enjoy. great. I am... Uh, 
I'm going to confess again on the podcast and say that um so I, I go through weird manias and I get into weird holes with different types of media. And this month was apparently um romance novel audiobook month, or uh, more specifically, like mostly, not entirely, but mostly contemporary romance, which is something I'd really never spent any time reading before. I'd read some uh some like more historical romances in the past. Um, but, uh, I guess I sort of just like, f- like broke the seal and I listened to, I think nine romance novel audiobooks in the last like month and a half. Wow. Wow. Um, it's, it, it was a lot. I'm in awe. Um, and, uh, and I'm, I, I might be done for a while. <laughs> what's your, what's your genre? Do you have to like friends like friends to lovers, enemies oh, to lovers. Do you go I mean, with, like fantasy? Do you like the fantasy? I'm getting stuff? I'm getting to where I'm exploring more of the various uh various subgenres, but I knew going in that what I was particularly interested in was enemies to lovers. Oh, of course. My, yes. This is my, we know this about my you. Genre. Why did I even I, ask? I, yeah, Laura, Why come did you on. Ask? Come on. So okay, there, there could be like so, you know, like they're a bully at first, you know. And the and girl, then, the woman's uh-huh. really mean. Yeah, uh-huh. it's a mean girl. Uh-huh. I just yeah. Or, or the guy. Or I'm okay. Yeah, with but that really, too. ideally, like it's a too. mean girl. It starts. Yeah. So, okay. How um, how many <laughs> book recommendations can you stand? You want one, two, three, or four? All of them. You want all of them? I'll try to make these quick. Then, okay. Um, I don't want so, all of them. <laughs> <laughs> Is this a vote? So, uh, or? All the ones you recommend. These are okay. The ones that I of of these are the ones that I recommend. Um, I, uh, I really enjoy uh, with a, with a, a caveat. I think this is also understood that, um, romance novels are inherently horny and some of them are more horny than others. Yes. Facts. Um, I'll try to, I'll try to explain which ones are going to make your, uh, you know, your, your, uh, <laughs> uncles and aunts. The spicy blush. pepper ratings. Right. The spicy pepper ratings. So I, um, going back through my Goodreads, um, I think the one of the first ones I read and which I liked the most, you won't be surprised, was called The Hating Game. Uh, these are all some oh, of the popular. Oh, I read that popular. one. That one was You great. liked that one. I love that one. Okay, so a lot of these are pretty popular because understand, I'm scraping this genre for the first time. So I was going through a lot of best of lists. So most of these, if you are familiar, are probably going to be like, oh, yeah, I've heard of that or I've read it, that sort of thing. But I really like The Hating Game. Um, it is a uh, an office uh, romantic comedy about um, two – sort of corporate executive types who share an office. They're both sort of work just below the co-CEOs of a publishing house, this woman and the guy that she absolutely loathes. She has to sit across from him this, you know, for entire, her entire work day. And they play sort of one-upmanship games constantly as they're working. So there's, you know, there's a staring game. There's a reporting each other to HR game, et cetera, et cetera. Classic and game. As they, <laughs> as they play these, these increasingly over-the-top uh, uh, games with each other, um, you know, sparks. Fly. Love starts to blossom. Would you believe? <laughs> um, it's also very sexy. Uh, I like. So is this like basically this Dwight slash Jim? That's what. I, yeah, I was thinking. <laughs> I was thinking the Office as well. Sure. Um, another one that's uh more many more spicy peppers. Uh, I liked the Kiss Quotient, yes. uh, which is <laughs> yeah, this a. Was, uh, this is also a very good book. Yeah, which is <laughs> should a, Shane and I just Helen leave? Wong. Is this just Laura and Reagan corner for a? I little thought about just calling Laura to have this conversation, <laughs> but I figured we would put it in the podcast. Hey, why why talk um, to anyone if it's not for content? So uh, right, yeah. exactly. Um, I don't talk to my friends if it's not yeah. on the mic. Um, 
the kiss quotient is really nice. It's a uh, the uh, it's the the main character is a woman who is is on the autism spectrum, um, and uh, she has had a lot of failed relationships, and so she's decided that what she really needs is to get over her fear of sex, and she does that by hiring a hot male prostitute to mm-hmm. teach her how to fuck. <laughs> Jesus. Yes. <laughs> It's Jesus great. Christ. That was the, very, very the, good at statistical analysis, but not relationships. So she she hires herself a practice boyfriend. Yes. It's the this is the fake dating trope, which is common in all romance novels. And um it's the, but here it's it's like <laughs> fake dating with benefits. Yeah. Uh it's very sexy. It's very sexy. Um if we're going if we're going the full four, there's there's I guess uh well here I'll I'll leave it with one more. Um also in a similar vein, I liked the love hypothesis. Another uh very um uh, uh this one was very very contemporary. It's a it's a uh woman who is in a graduate program uh in STEM. <laughs> I think she's some sort of scientist studying something about cancer. I forget the details there. Um, and uh, for, you know, kooky romance novel situation reasons, she has to pretend to be dating uh, her scary and mean. Uh, nobody likes him. Uh, like graduate, like uh, he's a professor um, who uh, not directly over her in her department, but basically, and uh, you know, there it's, it's the same fake dating trope, uh, but also very, very funny and sexy. And also I like that one because of its, uh, it's sort of STEM focus, which I thought was very good. So all three of those um, a pluses, I thought uh, there were some others that I read as well that were, that were not as good, um, but I liked all three of those. So um, there you go. That's Please my, DM was, me make, your rejects pile so I can. Oh, sure. I, I will, Laura. I will. Um, I think, Nate, you're still <laughs> what's Shane making has, you happy. Shane has either. retreated from the mic. Lest Shane's he... gone. Bye, Shane. Bye, I've already Shane. embarrassed him to death. Uh, Nate, what's making you happy this week? So I have talked about this band before on this show, and uh, I'm a huge fan. They're, they're actually a local band that that opened up for uh Bit Brigade multiple times that band I've talked about before where they uh, Bit Brigade is a fantastic band where they do speed metal covers of video game music while someone on stage speed runs a game truly sensational experience I highly recommend if they happen to come to your area and a local band that I uh, know some of the guys of but they've been uh, around for like 10 years they're finally putting out their first record and their and their single is now on Spotify and I think it's and, and, and uh, everything, Bandcamp and, and YouTube and whatnot. The band is called Thorax, Thor space Axe. Oh, and good one. The the song is called Birthquake, and uh, <laughs> oh wow, they are phenomenal. They are essentially like a metal band. It's fully instrumental, um, but it is as close to video game music that I think you'll find in like the metal space that isn't straight up just speed metal covers of video games. Um, they don't, it's all original. Some of the, the best musicians that I've seen, they, they play all of this live. It's phenomenal. They don't call themselves video game you know, music. They don't claim any sort of connection to video game music, but it is clearly heavily inspired. And uh, I don't know if you have ever like, had this experience where you're listening to music and you just think 
I want to play a video game with this music as as the background. Uh, this is the most. This band is the most I've ever had that experience. Every single one of their songs is a would be a phenomenal backing track to like a, like a Mega Man style game. So uh, I highly recommend you go and listen to Earthquake by Thorax. It's phenomenal, and the whole thing through, you'll find yourself wanting to play like Mega Man or something. It's it's awesome, and their full album comes out in like a month and a half or so. So I just go check it out. It's all over. It's on everywhere you listen to music, uh, and and the full album will come out later uh, in May, I think. But uh, I've been waiting for them to record for a long time. I think Shane is listening right now, or at least he's pretending to. I got it. <laughs> Shane, never do that in public. I, listeners, me, I, Shane was was uh, rocking out in a way that I thought was very embarrassing. He had full hook'em horns going. Time, yeah. So. Uh, listeners, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of The Short Game. You can find our show on the internet at www.theshortgame.net, which is where you find all the ways to contact and support us. You can find us on Twitter at underscore short game. There's the contact form on our website. You can email us info at theshortgame.net. Number one most important thing you can do is our Patreon. We're at patreon.com slash theshortgame, which is where you can support the show with even just a dollar a month. Uh, and hey, if you support us for five bucks, I will send you some stickers and uh, they will be really cool stickers, guys. And uh, of course, you also get the benefit of joining our Discord community, which is where we talk about the games that we're playing and uh, also just about other stuff. So if you want to talk to me about romance novels or talk to Laura about the uh, the strange uh, Indian film she was just describing, uh, this is this is the place you go. Uh, Patreon.com slash the short game. Join up there and you'll get instantly whisked away into our Discord and uh, we'll be happy to have you. Um, uh, Laura, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Laura J. Nash. Nate, where can people find you? On Twitter at NateSTL. Shane, where can people find you? So on Twitter at 8BitShane. And I forgot to mention, I'm Reagan Kelly. You can find me on Twitter at ReaganK. And uh, listeners, thank you once again for joining us on this episode of The Short Game.